George Day was a minister and successful Baltimore entrepreneur. He was the owner of Curl World, a chain of salons in Baltimore County and Baltimore City. He enjoyed flashy jewelry and flashy cars and was described as hardworking and generous. In the summer of 1989, there had been a string of robberies in the Pikesville, Maryland area, including an armed robbery of the Twin Kiss Drive-In on Ricerstown Road and a carjacking following a fake accident on Joppa Road. On August 24, 1989, George Edward Day was gunned down during a robbery at his home in Pikesville, Maryland. He was found by his wife and son, shot several times in the chest on the second floor of their home. The police were called at approximately 9 p.m. and undercover officers at a nearby stakeout saw a man take off in Mr. Day's 1986 bright red Chevy Corvette convertible. A police alert was issued and according to a Baltimore Sun article, seven police cars began pursuit of the Corvette. The driver raced into the Pimlico area of Baltimore City, ramming several police cars in the process and eventually a utility pole, which ended the chase. The driver, who was discovered to be 20-year-old Dundee Garfield Tinkler, got out of the red convertible pointing a 45 caliber handgun and police opened fire. Baltimore County and city officers shot at Tinkler, who was tackled by two city officers after being shot in the wrist. Tinkler was taken to Sinai Hospital in Baltimore for treatment, the same hospital George Day would be pronounced dead in at 10.25 that evening. The police found $300 in cash as well as thousands of dollars in jewelry in Mr. Day's Corvette. Baltimore County Police charged Tinkler with the robberies from earlier in the summer, as well as first-degree murder and armed robbery of George Day. Detainers had also been filed against him by the city police and FBI for interstate transportation of stolen goods. So in 1987, you had been on the job just about uh, 10 years, and you were promoted to sergeant. Yes. So I was a sergeant in patrol for almost two years, and then I applied for the criminal investigation division and detectives. And, you know, you had to, you know, apply for it and then to be interviewed. So I was selected to go into detectives with other sergeants. Um, but when I was picked, there was the opening that was available was the 3 to 11 supervisor in criminal investigation. And what that was at the time um, that I actually had two detectives working for me. We were almost like a um, special investigation squad. I mean, it was just the two detectives when there was something that came up that was out of the ordinary that didn't fit any of the, you know, robbery, um, burglary, whatever, then we would handle those kind of investigations, anything really that was just different. But the other responsibility I had as a sergeant was I had to supervise any search warrants because it was all 311. That job was all 311. So I had to supervise any search warrants from any unit other than homicide because homicide had two squads 
and um, because the department didn't want to pay the supervisors supervisors in those units to work over. So I was doing for the first two months I was there. Malt, I mean, I just got to go on search warrants all over the county in the city, um, wherever our search warrants led, and that was a lot of fun, and that was a lot of good experience. Um, because I got to read the search warrants, I had to approve them, and then I would go, after their supervisors did, I would still read them, but then I would go on all these different kinds of search warrants. I ended up doing hundreds of search warrants in the time um, that I was that position. And so search warrants, it could be for anything, so could for burglary, well, Except for homicide, except because for homicides. they had two squads, but could have been for burglary, um, um Sex crimes, pretty sure, yeah, because I don't think they worked two shifts. The supervisors didn't, um, you know, thefts, whatever it was that detectives did other than homicide. So you had a bunch of different um, detective, you know, units that did anything, um, you know, whatever they did. That's there's, They wouldn't pay the sergeants to work over, so to go on a, on a search warrant. So I had to do it, which was fun. And I got to meet a bunch of really cool detectives and people. So then one night I was working my 3 to 11 shift and then we had a unit called the career criminal unit and that unit, they were the guys and there was a, a girl, Nancy, a woman that was on that unit, detectives, and they basically went out after the bad guys once homicide, sex crimes, rape, whatever, burglary had warrants for them. This was the unit you would send out or if they had this particular night, they were working, there was a lot of robberies apparently going on and um, home invasions and robberies. So that unit was working that like 11 to six or whatever, or 10 to six, whatever shift, because they were all at nighttime like that. And just like hitting areas that they thought where the robbery was gonna go down to see, cause nobody had been arrested. And their sergeant wanted to take off that night. So he asked if I would cover for him. It's like, sure, why not? <laughs> so I was gonna get overtime cause I already worked my eight hours. So I was, I heard a homicide come out and the homicide came out. It was a businessman in a, in a certain area that was murdered in his home and home invasion murdered and they stole his Corvette. So I'd heard all that come out. And then right in, right after I heard all that and homicide units were responding to the house and they, they'd actually gotten there. Um, then we get on the radio. Remember, we don't have cell phones yet. So then we hear on the radio that um, a patrol officer had found the car somewhere like right across the county city line. And he was sitting on it as best he could. I mean, he was in an unmarked, but still probably looked like a police car. And that the career criminal unit was heading down that way. They had already um, heard, you know, that he had spotted the car. So the career, career criminal unit was heading that way. So I was like, well, that's pretty cool. So then I'm listening to all this, and I, I don't know if I was sitting with the sergeant from Homicide, but I was just listening to all this. And then I'm thinking, well, I guess i got to head down there because <laughs> I'm their supervisor. And before I'd even started down there, one of the detectives, the senior detective in that unit, gets me on the radio and said, can you switch up? And it was another channel that we could switch. That was for detectives. And I switch up, and they said, um... Yeah, Sarge, um, you're going to need to come down here. Um, we've actually captured the suspect or the suspect that had the Corvette. And um, there we, we had a shooting down here. And I said, well, you okay? 
everybody's okay. Oh yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Um, we shot, he got shot in like the thumb or something. And, um, we've got the city down here and, um, we're, we've got an ambulance coming. It's like, okay. So of course, homicide was made aware that they got the suspect in the homicide. So I head down there and it was a scene out of one of these movies where you have a mass shooting. <laughs> I get down there and cars are everywhere. The Corvette's up on a curb, had run into something, the Corvette. He's laying on the sidewalk. They had him cuffed, but he's laying on the sidewalk, you know, and they had, did a bandage and the medics were working on him. And um, so I thought, oh, this is pretty wild. <laughs> this is really neat. So then my guys all converge on me, including the officer who was Randy. And um, they're all like, I'm like in the middle of them. They're all around me. And then there was a narcotics detective there too, which didn't know he was there. <laughs> and turns out years later, he ends up working for me in one of my best detectives. He was another, he and I were like one of the few that made 40 years. And he worked for me when I went into the sex crimes SVU. But anyway, years later. So I said, so, okay, so which one of you, you know, shot your, your gun? Because I'm thinking, okay, I, this has got to kick in. I haven't had to do this before. It's like, I know, I'm, I know I have to take their gun, you know, make sure, you know, take their gun because they're not supposed to have it if you just shot somebody. And um, so one of them raises their hand. I said, okay, so you shot the guy? Uh, yeah, I shot at him, Sarge. I shot at him. And then somebody else raises their hand. I said, so you, you shot at him too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Sarge, I did too. It's like, okay, I've got two of you, and then another one raises his hand, and another one, and another one. Basically, everybody but Nancy had shot at this guy. It must have been like the, you know, okay corral. Nancy couldn't shoot at him because she ended up getting pinned in her car because the guy, the dirtbag in the Corvette, rammed her car, so she got jammed in her car. But everybody else was shooting. I think one of them had pulled out a shotgun. The other one, I mean, and I'm looking at all of them, and all of a sudden, you only shot him in his, well, he got one shot in the hand. And I'm thinking, where did all these bullet holes go? That's some very but, good shooting. But I wasn't even done, because I guess they wanted to make it not look as bad as it was. And they said, well, Sarge, those two city officers, they were shooting at him, too. It's like, oh, my God. So then the officer, remember, this is my first. I had just been up in CID for two months, okay? And this was my first shooting, you know, and I, so I'm looking. And I'm thinking, okay, now I'm going to do this. I'm not going to take all their guns here. It's like we're in the city, for God's sake. They might need their guns. So it's like, you know, everybody had their guns secure in their holsters, whatever. And then the officer says, Sarge, Sarge. And he's like whispering. I said, what? He said, I got the gun. I said, what gun do you have? He said, I think it's the murder weapon. It was in the Corvette. I put it in the trunk of my police car. I said, okay, that's a good move. And I, so, so it's in the, okay. So I get on the radio and I tell Homicide. I get on, you know, and told the channel that the Homicide was on. I said, okay, tell the sergeant that he might want to come down here. We've got the stolen car. We've got a suspect, suspect, the business owner. And apparently we've got, probably had the murder weapon. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, whatever. That's good. Just, just, just hang, hang in there. Hang in. Okay. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, well, everything would have been fine, <laughs> except a city major shows up. Now, remember, we're in Baltimore City. Mm-hmm. And he's demanding the gun mm-hmm. that the suspect had because he's got two of his guys that were shooting and the two officers <laughs> that were involved in the shooting had just got off 
probation, whatever they wanted to call it down there, because of a shooting they'd been involved in before. Oh, they just got off, and they had had them two riding together to stay out of trouble, and they just end up getting into another shooting. And they did. I don't even remember who actually shot the guy, okay, because it was, <laughs> it was only shot once. But anyway, so this major is demanding. Well, I'm like acting like I have no idea what he's talking about. I don't know who he is, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, and, you know, I am got on the radio again. I said, um, I really need a supervisor, you know, from homicide. Somebody from homicide needs to come down here. And then all of a sudden, he just gets livid. I demand to know who is the supervisor on the scene for Baltimore County. So, meanwhile... Randy's sergeant and I think his lieutenant was there. They show up because it wasn't that far from the county mm-hmm. where this car, where all the shooting happened. So they're there. They're in full uniform. Mm-hmm. I'm in plain clothes, probably in jeans. And all I have is my badge. And sergeant, his sergeant uniform points at me and said, she is. <laughs> <laughs> so the major comes up in my face. He says, I want to know where the gun is. And it's like, sir... I just lied. <laughs> said, I don't know where the gun is. I'm trying to find that out myself. And then meanwhile, I'm telling my guys, get on here and tell, I need something as high as a major down here. Because <laughs> now I've got a major demanding the murder weapon. So it was hysterical. I mean, it was, it was just hysterical. So we didn't give, we did not give the gun up. And finally, the bosses start showing up. And as soon as can't remember whoever it was the captain or the major probably both showed up and the sergeant finally from homicide and i said we've got i got him aside i said okay just let you know everybody here except for nancy who we're getting her an ambo make sure she's okay shot their weapons and um but we're okay (laughs) and the murder weapon and i'm like whispering the murder weapon that that major keeps yelling about is in the trunk of this officer's car. <laughs> okay, good job, good job. We didn't want to give them their gun because all they have is a shooting. We have a murder. We need this gun. It's like, okay, well, I'm just letting you know. That's where it's at. <laughs> so then, because you shoot your gun, you have to you have to give up your guns. Well, the city were great. I mean, and they and back then they always were, and they, and they still are now. Um, they actually brought in their firearm expert to meet us at headquarters because all my group had to go to city headquarters because the city had to investigate the shooting, not us. So I went with all my detectives and the officer and they were all giving, they were all writing written statements. And cause at the time you did, they wrote written statements and then they actually brought in their firearms expert and he actually literally brought his team in. So every gun could be tested and then given back to my detectives. So they weren't going home without a gun. Because at that point in time, there was no way we could get them all new guns. That it just wouldn't have happened. They right. would have been, and you can't do that. You can't not have weapons. That's that's not safe for them. So they're really good. So the next, I don't know if it was, what was a marathon. So I can't remember if I went back into headquarters that night or it was the next night when we finally, I was finally allowed to go home and we all got some sleep and I came back in. But I'll never forget an old sergeant, grizzled sergeant. He'd been on forever, and he was a robbery sergeant. And um, he, I come walking in, and he said, I knew Rose was going to work out. I told you guys she would be great. I said, you, she handled that mess down there. And he was just going on and on. I'm thinking, no, I didn't know that was. I had to be, you know, I was being observed even as female sergeant. And then it was funny because I talked to the detective a couple months ago about that particular homicide, Eddie, 
And he said, well, I guess that was trial by fire. According to a criminal justice piece in the Baltimore Sun, Tingler was convicted on March 21, 1990, of first-degree murder. Assistant State's Attorney Stephen Kroll said Mr. Day befriended Tinkler like a lost soul he was trying to take in, but his trust was betrayed when the man took part in a robbery at Mr. Day's home. What's going on? Let your mother know. Your mother wants to know. She's an inquiring mind. Mind. Is it mine or mind? <laughs> Call when you get service. See you.